0: The Penguins were back at practice on Wednesday and it doesn't look like a lot of changes are on the horizon. Hunter and I are going to discuss that and more on this edition of the Locked On Penguins Podcast. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, Penguins fans, to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodies. You can follow me on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. You can follow Hunter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. We are free and available every day on YouTube as well as wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So, after that disaster in the desert... On Monday, the Penguins are back in Pittsburgh. They were back to work at the UPMC Lemieux Complex for practice today. And if you were expecting wholesale changes to this lineup, to this team, well, you were probably disappointed. Because as we saw from uh, Michelle Cracchiolo, the incomparable reporter for the Penguins known as Penn's Inside Scoop, she tweeted out the lines that they ran at practice today and There were some changes around the margins, nothing too crazy, but here's what we had as the Penguins workflow. The top line was Gensel with Crosby and Rust, Drew O'Connor with Evgeny Malkin and Colin White, Ricard Raquel, Lars Eller, Valtteri Pustin on the third line, and Harkins, Achari, and Carter on the fourth line. And while that does look like a nice little shakeup of the top nine, the big surprise from most other people as well as Mish was that the power play has seen absolutely zero changes. Power play one remains Crosby, Carlson, Malkin, Gensel, Rust. Power play two, Latang, Raquel, Eller, Pustin, and Carter. So after a very, very awful road trip, which we have talked to death at this point, we're not seeing a ton of changes here. And that is worrisome because while I don't think that This team needs to be ripped up root and branch and completely rethought. We talked about this yesterday. There has to be changes made because you lose a game like you do in Arizona. There has to be a wake up call. There has to be a shaking of the of the tree and get everybody ready to go and put people on notice. And it doesn't really appear they have done that. I like the fact that they're putting Crosby back with Rust. It feels like a way to jumpstart him. He has been a little slow since his return from injury. He's been fine enough, but you expect more out of him. Maybe putting Colin White with Evgeny Malkin is something. But overall, what what we're talking about at this point is we're really just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic at this point.
1: You said it perfectly there. This is literally rearranging deck chairs on the the Titanic. And you know what this screams of, Pat? It screams of, we're out of answers to this. That's what it looks like to me. And when I saw Colin White was on the second line this morning, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just had to say something because I was blown away when I saw it. And I know he's only played three games, but he has no points at the NHL level this year. What exactly is your goal for putting Colin White on the Evgeny Malkin line. I I just don't really understand that, I think. So this just, again, screams of they don't have any answers. And at this point, until Riley Smith is ready to go, especially for the second line, I don't think they really know what to do with Evgeny Malkin's line. Yeah, Drew Connor has been playing pretty well these last several weeks, but is he a long-term answer to the second line? Probably not. I still think he works best as a really good third-liner for this team. Right now, you're giving Gino pieces that, no offense, they're just not the best for him at this stage of his career. And you look at some of the other lines, you're moving Raquel down, which, okay, I guess I understand a little bit just because Raquel has been a little cold as of late. But you're moving him down for Colin White. I disagree with that, in my opinion. I guess they want to see if he can get jump-started with Lars Eller, who, of course, had one of the goals... In Arizona Eller has been pretty solid this year. But then, you have know, Valtteri Pustin on the third line. In my opinion, I would maybe bump Pustin up to that second line to see if he can rekindle some magic that he had when he first came up. Because, you know, I'll get to him a little bit more in just a second. But he's also been ice cold the last couple of weeks. And we're, we're kind of seeing a theme with some of these Wilkesbury guys coming up, right? They can be a bit hot to start, but then they kind of fade away. That was the biggest worry I had with him when he came up and even though when he was playing well it was still a worry that I had so I would still maybe bump him up to see what he can do next to Malkin at least you have someone with a little more skill compared to Colin White I just don't think White is that good in my opinion and then the fourth line that's whatever at this point I would prefer to see Achari at wing but they're just going to keep him at center so that's whatever and then defensively if you look at those pairings that are going to be the same thing John Ludwig though is getting closer to a return. If I had to guess, and this is just a simple guess on my part, I think he's going to come in the lineup for POJ once he's ready to return, whether it's this weekend or whether it's after the All-Star break. And then the power play, yeah, I mean, they're out of answers at this point. 31st in the league. They have no idea what to do with that unit, and it's showing. No one is being taken off that unit, whether it's Eric Carlson, Evgeny Malkin, Whatever. They're just not making any drastic change to it. And that shows that they don't have a clue on how to fix it. And it's unfortunate because it's ridiculous that this unit is 31st in the league with all of that talent, man.
0: It's insane. We've talked to death about the power play. It, it, we're, there's really... There is no meat left on that bone for us to pick at anymore. There's
1: nothing else to say about that unit. It sucks.
0: Yeah. And, and and then the other, what stands out to me here with these line combinations more than anything is the fact that a lot of the guys you need to be role players on this team have been disappointing. Ricard Raquel looked a lot better when he came back from injury, but he's since cold off and he hasn't really been that effective Valtteri Pustin has started to look like he's hit that rookie wall that we talked about so so many weeks ago then you know Drew O'Connor's been better but he's probably not a lot like you said not a long-term top six option Brian Rust is back on the first line because well it wasn't working with Evgeny Malkin when you needed to work with Evgeny Malkin so that's a huge issue so I I I don't know really what the answer is. The one thing I want to bring up away from that as well, if we're talking about a lack of answers, is what I sent to you earlier today. And this is from TSN, The Athletic, SDPN, Chris Johnston. He's everywhere at this point.
1: Insider trading is what
0: I Yeah, insider trading, all of that. He, The guy's everywhere. He said on TSN that on reaching out to him on this day and him being Kyle Dubas, it doesn't sound like as though that was a hard deadline that on January 27th, he would know that direction. And that's referring to him saying that the all-star break was where Kyle Dubis was going to make his determination on what to do with this team. Johnston goes on to say, so Dubis, even after two games to end the first half for the Penguins is going to keep watching beyond that point. He insists that his team will make decisions for him. I think, and I want to modify a little bit, and we can get into this maybe on a later episode tomorrow or some other time here in the near future. I do want to modify a little something that I said about the Penguins yesterday, and I said on Twitter, where I said that after the disaster in Arizona, that they just need to be sellers. I want to amend that a little bit because it was both, this was both kind of inspired by just the simple passage of time, calming down and then reading what our good pal Rob Rossi wrote today in The Athletic about what the Penguins should do. I don't think they so much need to be sellers at the deadline this year, but they don't need to be buyers because there are going to be a lot of teams bidding for only a few players, and there are going to be a lot of teams who have more to offer than the Penguins do come the deadline. So there's no need for them as a team that is at this point, I think we're safe to say a fringe playoff team to get into bidding wars with actual contenders that have more resources to sell. Where this team is going to be made again and made back into more than just a fringe playoff team, if not a contender, is the off season. This is going to be a crucial offseason for Kyle Dubas because a lot of impactful money that was holding you back comes off of the books. Teams are going to be more willing to make more complicated deals around the draft and free agency and into the summer. So you will be able to, at least the way I see it, is getting this team back to a contention level with this core of players is going to require an offseason of work. And we're going to find out what Kyle Dubas is made of this offseason.
1: And the biggest thing for that, he just has to use the salary cap space wisely because I felt like during this past offseason, I went on July 1st before you joined the show full time. I went on with Smitty, who's one of the hosts of Around the 412. And I even said I graded his July 1 day as C plus, B minus. I wasn't blown away by what he did. And I got a lot of people come at me saying like, Oh, like you got to give this a chance, like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, sure. Well, I have. It's been a little over half a season at this point, And I feel like I've been a bit vindicated by that because, well, there were some hits. Obviously, the Eric Carlson trade was great. The Alex Delkovich signing has been very good. Lars Eller has been better than expected. There have been other signings, though, that haven't been as good. I don't really notice Nolich Hari doing anything offensively during any games this season, most games. Matt Nieto, well, yeah, it's a little unfair to call that a bust because he's been banged up a lot this season. Even when he's been healthy, outside of PK impacts, I'm not really noticing that him that much either. I've already said what I need to say about Ryan Graves so many times on this show. That doesn't need to be repeated. So I want him to use the salary cap space to his advantage this upcoming offseason once this season comes to an end. As for the deadline – I've warmed up to them being sellers at this point, especially if they do drop these two games at home this upcoming weekend against Florida and Montreal. You drop both of those games. I think the decision is going to be pretty easily, to be honest. And then after the All-Star break, you have a home game against Winnipeg. Then you go to Minnesota, who isn't that good. And then you play Winnipeg again. And we all know the Winnipeg Jets. that are one of the best teams in the league this year. Those are going to be two really tough games. Then they have the Panthers again, Chicago away. But yeah, L.A., Islanders. There there are some tough games in this month of February, but I still think by the time you know that February 6th, February 7th date comes around, he'll probably know what he wants to do at the deadline. Right now, I'm warming up to them being sellers. I'm not all the way there just yet, but if he truly believes that he can get this team into the playoffs this year, then maybe for him, he could go out there at some point and buy a little bit. I'm not saying trade assets for a rental, but someone that has a little bit of term and someone who is younger, because from him, his mindset, right? He was betting on the core over the summer. He added a lot of contracts over the summer as well. He made his bed saying, you know, we're going all in, we're going to make the playoffs. And now you're all of a sudden saying, maybe changing a different tune. And well, again, I get things change. How much is he really going to sell considering what he did over the summer. That's something that I think he has to tackle as well. Again, in my opinion, I'm warming up to it, but we'll have to see how these next few games go because I mean, it, it could, it could potentially be a, a, a tough call by the time early March comes around.
0: Yeah. And and if there's two, you, I don't also think you have to fire sell either. You don't have to, yeah. everything must go. If, if you get approached with a good offer, that you think can help you both in the immediate and the long-term, you take it. But it, it, that's, again, that's a bridge that we will cross when we get to it. Plus, and they're not trading be-
1: any of the core players here, people. I don't no. think of getting Malkins going anywhere, Chris Letang. I've seen takes about Eric Carlson being back on the block. That's not going to happen either. Obviously, Cindy Crosby is never getting dealt, but just wanted to shut down some of that talk as well. They're not going to be moving on from those four players. I'd be super stunned if any of those ever got moved, I think, at this point.
0: Absolutely agreed, especially with the season Sidney Crosby is having. No need to do that. And we will get into that a little bit more in the next segment, away from him, about players that need to step up over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the trade deadline. But first, we have to tell you about our first sponsor, and that is Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I've said it before when I've I've had this ad in front of me. I like Indeed because it helped me so much back when I was job hunting. It got me in touch with so many potential employers, and I got a lot of good interviews out of that. So Indeed is absolutely fantastic. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Locked On. Just go to Indeed.com slash Locked On right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Locked On. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back here on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp joined as always by the one and only the illustrious Hunter Hodies. So we started to get into it a little bit here in the first segment about how there's been some disappointing players. And I know that's a bit of an understatement this season, considering where this team is. But we want to talk about here a couple of players that we're looking at down this stretch run for the last two games before the All-Star break and in the rush up to the trade deadline, who has to step up? Who has to take their game to a different level to get this team back into the playoff race and back in looking like a team that could actually get into the playoffs and make some noise. The first one for me isn't as obvious to as, uh, as I think people would think it is, but I got to go with Eric Carlson. And it's not just so much the power play, which we I agree, if he's going to continue to be the power play, one guy has to be better, has to step up, has to start producing at a higher rate. But I also think just in general, I have been very impressed with his five on five game this year. I think he has been a lot better defensively than people thought he was going to be. It's total vindication for Mike Sullivan, who everybody freaked out in the preseason when Wyshynski sent out that quote from Sullivan about like, Oh, we know he can do more. We know he can, he can round out his game better, but everybody freaked out thinking that was him saying they were going to turn Carlson into some defensive stay home guy, but they were just saying like, we know he has more to give and he's shown that he has been tremendous. Well, not tremendous. That's a bit of a, a push there, but he's been very good defensively. And I think now we need to see more of that offensive game from him, whether it's primary assists or goals. I don't expect him to produce at the rate he did last year. That's unrealistic. There's actual talent around him this year unlike there was in San Jose last year, but we need to get more from him on the back end. If he's going to be the top pairing guy, if he's going to be the power play quarterback, or at the very least the top defenseman on the top power play unit, I need more points from him.
1: It's funny you say that because he actually has a nine game point streak going on right now. And he actually has points in 10 of his last 11 games, but to your point, he only has 33 points in 44 games this year. That's pretty Well, I guess it's maybe a little uncharacteristic for him considering what he did last year for the Sharks. He just hasn't had to be that guy for the Penguins this year, which is fine, but I still want him to also play at a little bit of a higher level, even though I think these last nine to 10 games he has been pretty solid. Outside of Carlson, I'll go to Brian Rust, I think, for me, for someone who really needs to step up. He only has one goal since coming back in early January after he was out for about a month. And it was that goal that sent the Carolina game into overtime. Outside of that, I feel like he's been kind of lost a little bit on the ice. Just hasn't been able to put everything together the way that he was playing before he got hurt. Obviously, Mike Sullivan is hoping that putting Rust back up with Gensel and Crosby will will, will really help him, excuse me. And I hope it does because if this team wants to keep staying in the race, and it's funny... All the teams that they needed to lose on Tuesday lost in regulation. So Yeah, and and real quick,
0: one thing I want to add there about that. This has been the biggest disappointment of the season because eventually that horseshoe is going to fall out and that luck is going to run out. And the teams that they need to lose are going to eventually win. So they have to start taking advantage of these situations.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they should have done it on Saturday when all the teams that were ahead of them lost. And then... Had they been in Arizona earlier this week, they would have gotten more help on Tuesday because all the teams that were ahead of them lost as well. I mean, I know New Jersey had a hat-trick from Tyler Foley earlier this week, but outside of that, you know, the Flyers lost. You know, Lightning helped them out a little bit. The Red Wings lost as well. The Islanders lost as well. So they're getting help. They just have to take care of their own business and bang points. But going back to what I was saying about Brian Rust, obviously we know what Mike Sullivan's doing with hoping to provide him a spark by playing with Crosby and Gensel. His level of play needs to change if this team wants to get into a playoff spot by the end of the end of the year. Excuse me. That's someone who I really have my eye on as well.
0: Another one for me, and this is an obvious one, is Evgeny Malkin. Yeah uh, i i i don't think that he is completely done and washed like a lot of people have been suddenly hinting, but he's no longer the Evgeny Malkin of old. He's no longer the Malkin of even five years ago, where he can turn it on and take over a game. He's just not that guy anymore. And that's fine. He's 37. He has, he has had several major surgeries in his career and he plays a style of hockey that takes a toll on the body. So he, the biggest issue I've had with him this season is that you can kind of see he's frustrated by his limitations now because he does the thing that he did when he was younger, when he was younger, When he would try to do a little bit more when things weren't going well, he still had the speed and the strength and just the overall dominance in his game, where when he tried to do more, it usually worked. That's not working anymore. And that's a huge problem for this team because it ends up in mistakes. It ends up in turnovers. It ends up in getting lost in the defensive zone. It ends up putting his line mates and defensive pairings in bad positions and uh, disadvantageous situations. So for Evgeny Malkin, he's really got to find a way to play within himself. And we've seen it a good few times this year when he plays within himself, he is still able to produce at a pretty high rate, but he hasn't been able to put that together consistently. And it's been a disappointment for this season. And one last thing I want to add about the two players that I have brought up, I have seen a lot of people both on Twitter to me directly and in our comment section on YouTube, that bring up like, oh, Malkin and Carlson are two guys I'd look to trade. Well, one, you're not trading of getting Malkin. You just aren't. He's a franchise legend. 71 is going to be in the rafters, and he has stated explicitly he does not want to play anywhere else. So he's just not going to accept the trade anywhere if you try to do it, and he has a full no move. He's not going anywhere. And as for Eric Carlson, one quote-unquote down year for a defenseman that great who is still playing pretty well all things considered you don't give up after one year just like his cohorts and I'm speaking about uh Eric Carlson here just like Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang they need more help now they're not the players of 10 years ago where they can put a team on their back and carry them across the finish line They need line mates. They need better defensive pairings. They need better depth surrounding them. And once you're able to do that, these guys will produce at a very good to nearly elite level. But if they've got people behind them, it makes the team better. So those guys are part of a core that can still win. Now it's on Kyle Dubas to surround them with said talent.
1: I agree. And there was another comment that I kept seeing in some of our comments as well, Pat, regarding Malkin. And it's that some people want him to move to wing a little bit, which I wouldn't mind as he continues to get a little bit older. The problem with that, though, is you're going to have to go out and get an actual second line center. And I'm not talking Lars Eller going to be the 2C. I don't think that's a viable option, in my opinion. You have to go out there and get a playmaking 2C that can play with Evgeny Malkin if you want to move him to wing. Because I would potentially be down for that as he gets older just because, you know, his legs aren't as good as they used to be. And it's funny. We're talking about Gino struggling at least a bit this year. He still has 15 goals and 38 points in 44 games. He's still producing at a high level. It's just that some of his bad games are more frequent compared to what we're used to seeing, which again, that's fine. Sometimes that happens when a player gets into his high 30s. But if you want to move him to wing, as some people suggest, you have to go out and get a very good second line center.
0: Yeah, and, and that's going to be, to what I was saying in the first segment, an off-season thing. They're going to have to yeah. try to do that in the off-season because in no world are you going to be able to do that in-season at the trade deadline, especially with such a tight playoff race. Now, is there anybody else that you want to add for your who needs to step up here before we head to break?
1: I wouldn't say players-wise. I mean, we talked about Nolichari's struggles. We've talked about...
0: Oh, I think I know where you're going with
1: Ricard Raquel's struggles a little bit as well. But I'm not talking about players here. I want Mike Sullivan to step up a little bit here. Agreed. I have been a massive Mike Sullivan defender on social media and on this show. I think he is a top five coach in the league. I understand what people are saying when it comes to you know his message has gone stale, it's time to move on, all that stuff. I get where people are coming from just because of how the team has struggled over the past few seasons. And to a degree, I agree with you. And that's why I think... He needs to step up and take charge of this team and coach a bit better because I don't think he has been coaching that well this year. He's been stubborn to make changes to the top power play unit. He's been stubborn to make changes to the lineup. He needs to be better as a head coach and honestly adapt a little bit. I think I want to see better coaching from him this year because honestly, this is probably how do I want to say this? It's probably this one season where I feel like he's done his worst job of coaching this team and it needs to be better going forward, especially with someone who he has an extension lined up after this year. And he's going to be getting quite a bit more money from FSG. So I want him to really step up. That's the last one I have for you.
0: I would simply tell the players to play better, but that's just how I would do it. I don't know if he listens, but if he does, just a suggestion there. (laughs) But That is going to do it for this segment. When we come back, you know what day it is. It's Wednesday. It's time to give out our Warrior helmet. Even after a woeful week like this, we still got a Warrior helmet we got to pass out. But before we do that, we have to tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Sleeper. We are at the halfway point this season, Penguins fans, and well, the highs have been high and the lows sure have been low. Regardless of where we are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for Daily Fantasy sports, and especially Daily Fantasy Hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contests. Right now, I'd probably take that guy, Connor McDavid, maybe Sidney Crosby, maybe Nathan McKinnon, some of those guys to record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in any given game. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me right, Penguins fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper, so start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See Leaper's terms of use for details and locational availability. We're back here on the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Patrick Damp, joined as always by Hunter Hodes. And like I said, it's Wednesday. And despite this week being extremely disappointing for what it was, we stick to things that work around here because that's just what we do on the Locked On Penguins podcast. And that means it's Warrior Helmet Wednesday. And I think everybody top to bottom, me, you, everybody else, we know who's getting the Warrior helmet this week. Hunter, who's it going to be? I think I speak for you with this as well. The Warrior helmet for me
1: is definitely going to Sidney Crosby with what he did in those two games. He did everything he could for the Penguins to win those games. He sets up Jake Ensel's goal to make it 2-0 in the Vegas game. He scores his 27th goal of the year against Arizona. And that was just a wicked deflection. I still don't even know how he can do that at age 36, but that just goes to show why Sidney Crosby is one of the five greatest players to ever play this sport. That deflection on the power play there was absolutely meant to be honest. And so far this season, 47 points, excuse me, 48 points in 44 games, a bona fide heart trophy contender, as we have been arguing on the show so many times throughout this season He's the only selection for the Warrior helmet, considering how everyone else I feel like played over these last two games. So that's mine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. um, I I agree. I was going to give it to Sid. And as for the deflection against Arizona, I was saying this to the guy I was watching after our Beer League game. I was watching the game with, and I can't believe it's been 14 years since this, but it was the 24 7 Penguins Capitals on HBO. If you remember, I think it was the third episode where the Penguins and Capitals finally met before the Winter Classic. And Crosby scored one of those side of the net deflection goals. And they had Boudreaux mic'd up, and he was like, We said it in film. That is where he kills you. How did we lose him?
1: We've so- seen that set play so many times throughout his career. Usually it's LaTang at the point giving it down to Sid. Now we've seen Carlson do it at times this season, and it's still just as magical as ever.
0: I was also, I, I, I texted it to you uh, another week where I could have my warrior helmet and, and give it to two different people. I was also joking that I was going to give it to you, the fans, for putting up with that game in Arizona because, oh boy, that was a, I, I hate saying it was a tough watch, because as time has passed and I've calmed down, because yesterday was the therapy episode. Yesterday was the day where we just vented all of our frustrations. Today was the day where we started putting the plan into action and coming up with ways to make things better. But I I I I don't want to say that game was a tough watch because it was back and forth for two periods. Yeah, the Penguins probably weren't the better team through forty minutes, but they were in it, and then they just melted down in the third period. But I mean, this is like, for only playing two games, man. This was a tough, tough week for the Penguins.
1: I mean, they should have had the two points against Vegas. They could have had it at least for a time against Arizona after Crosby tied the game late in the second. There was only less than four minutes to go in that period. You're thinking, okay, just get to the second intermission, tied, and you would have a chance to win the game in the third. But Penguins multiple times in that game, when they would score a goal, they would give up another goal a minute and a half to two to two and a half minutes after. And that's just that's not the way you're going to win games at in the NHL. It's not.
0: Nope. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We will be back tomorrow to talk more about whatever this team is and where it's going and what we think they should do. But for now, for Hunter Hodies, I am Patrick Dam. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Locked On Penguins podcast. We will be back tomorrow.